0: Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It is the final edition of the season in terms of recaps, and we are recapping the bowl game against South Carolina, the Dukes-Mayo Bowl. It is me, Josh Marlowe, uh, here shortly after the game has wrapped up here in Charlotte, so we're going to give you some immediate reaction uh, to, let's be honest, one of the more disappointing bowl games in Tar Heel football history. Uh, we'll also tell you about a situation going on uh, with one of the Tar Heels' defensive linemen that could affect his status in the 2022 season as well. Uh, but yeah, let's uh, let, uh, let's get into it. I, I don't really don't want to at this point. But this... Is honestly just the most fitting way for this season to end.
1: Yeah. um, The season after about the middle of October was a disappointment because you'd lost three games um, and there was no way to really recover from that. They didn't. They go six and six. You end up in a bowl game that was well below expectations entering the season. You try to come out and salvage a lost season, maybe send Sam Howell out the right way. And instead, you show up about as lifeless and unprepared as you've had all year in a game that you've had almost three weeks to prepare for. And South Carolina, we knew entering the game, South Carolina's going to be more emotionally invested in the game because they weren't supposed to make a bowl game to start the year. They've done some good good things in the off already, and so you knew you had to match that intensity that 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 focusness. Carolina didn't do that from the beginning. That, that what focusnessness? Oh oh oh! You added another there. Oh wow wow wow! And it was you know you want to call it a fitting way. It was pathetic.
0: I mean it, it it's just it's it matches. It's a great representation. Of exactly what this season has been for the Tar Heels, you came in with expectations of success
1: mm-hmm.
0: and left walking away with just I, I, like I said, one of the worst bowl game losses that you you've had. I know there's been other ones that have been disappointing. There's been ones that have been that that have seen larger margins, but I mean, come on, like I, you you said before this that you thought South Carolina was a better team than the Tar Heels. That's fine. Mm -hmm. Can we agree, though, that this is maybe an average South Carolina team? This offense for them coming into the game was horrendous. How did they even make a bowl game?
1: Because they've got good coaching. Right, 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 right. I'm
0: saying just based off of those offensive statistics, you honestly would sit there and say – on paper, if you just showed those statistics and didn't say who the coach was or whatever, you would say to yourself, how is this team in a bowl game?
1: Well, you know, the, the biggest thing that I took away was disseminated what I'd already believed. You were the biggest disappointment in college football this year. You can look at what Clemson did. They rebounded. They won 10 games for the 11th straight well, year. Well, they wouldn't even be consideration. You, you could maybe say, throw Iowa State into that I would thing. say USC— that's the only one that I would May, say might but, be more disappointing. But they disappointing. weren't a top ten team. And but they didn't they, have they didn't have a top fifteen and they didn't, they didn't even have make a legitimate bowl game. they didn't have a legitimate Heisman candidate. They had a sleeper Heisman candidate. Yeah. And you go six and seven. I mean either way. The, honestly, their seasons were, were pretty parallel. So I mean you know, and the the biggest you, you can lose. And, and you know, and, and this is where I've gotten to as a sports fan. I understand my teams are gonna lose. That's part of losing Are it. you
0: sure about that? Are but, you sure you understand Yes. That?
1: Okay. But it always comes back to the effort. Carolina showed no effort. They showed no desire to want to be there. Well, sir, a
0: small fraction of players you, actually seemed like they cared. You, it started they, with your quarterback, and it pretty much—it it almost somewhat ended with him. I'll—look, I'll, there were some other guys that—and we'll get into one guy— That should have been out there more often and wasn't. And it made no sense.
1: But you're you're right. This team looked like they hoped the game was going to get canceled before the game started. They look honestly, if you listen to the last edition of the
0: podcast, Kendall Smith, who's from Gamecock Central, came in. And she told me that one of the biggest issues the last time that South Carolina played a bowl game here back in 2018 was the Gamecocks looked like a team that did not want to be there against Virginia. That's what this team looked like for most of the day. You had that stretch in the second quarter where it looked like maybe this team is starting to warm to the task. But especially once you let up that touchdown to start the second half, that just that sucked all the any Life that you had that sucked it out of this team. And that was really the end of the game right mm. there. Yep. And I don't... I, I I, just... I don't even know what to really say at this point. Because, again, it is... Look, we we're, we're going to talk about the coaching. That's a big part of it. But at this point, the lack of execution, especially on the defensive side of the ball, is just... Mind-boggling. This looked like a team that had no fundamentals when it came to what you're supposed to do on a football field. And I don't understand how you can look like that with the players that you have out there. These dudes, when you watch them in high school, they were good enough players to justify... Their recruiting rankings at the time. Now you're looking at guys that look. Uh, they've taken almost some of the some of these guys have taken steps back. It looks like from high school, well,
1: and that is just blowing my mind. I've tried. I've tried telling you all year long. They're not as talented as you think they are. I think they're talented. I think they're not being developed. And I really think at this point, And that that's been proven. Thirteen games. Over and over again, that they're and look. Yes, it goes hand in hand that they're not being prepared well. But talent can overcome poor coaching. We we've seen it happen. They're they're not talented enough to overcome poor coaching, and which goes back to they're not as talented as as many people thought they were, as they probably think they are, and. You still got a, you still got a long way to go, to get where you want to get to.
0: Oh, this is a major step back. Yeah, there, there's no, there's no way to look at it. And I, and don't give me this crap because I got somebody that tried to give me this that this is not a linear process. Okay, I get that. Not a linear process would have been this team finishing eight and five. Yep. Maybe even seven and six. You finished with a losing record in a season where you were preseason top 10. You could say whatever you want that this team was overhyped. Okay, yeah, I get that. I I, I I really, really get that. But you should not have been at this point. You should not have been at the point where you lost every single game that you left your campus for. Yep. Every one of them. What in the hell is happening? How is that even possible? It's one thing not to live up to expectations. It's one thing to struggle on the road and not be able to handle expectations. They they did that last year. Mm-hmm. This is a whole this is a whole nother level of that. And that to me is concerning long term.
1: Well, yeah, because you've got to win games on the road if you ever want to go anywhere significant.
0: Well the problem it's concerning to me because you got worse on the road this season when that was one of your main focuses. It wasn't like you lost let's say last year, you win that game against Virginia, and the only blemish that you have on the road, the one let down, is Florida State.
1: You can live with that.
0: Okay, that that happens. Young teams that happens. The problem was you talked all off season. Well, that's all they did. All season was talk. Fixing that problem, that specific issue was one of the first things that you brought up all the time. And somehow you got worse in that category. My own how how is that possible? Is my question.
1: Because all they did was talk. I I don't and look the proof's in the pudding now. I don't think this team did all the work it needed to do to get in to where they to, to win the type of games they want to win. And this is what's concerning because
0: before the season, I told you that I thought Mac Brown was one of the more truthful guys when it came to that kind of stuff. Yeah. And the I, first two years, I I I think he was. This year. My th- the narrative changed from him. In the preseason, we heard that this team's doing everything right. We're having guys that are stepping up. We're seeing playmakers emerge. Meanwhile, by the time we got to the middle of the season, I knew on paper this team really wasn't going to be as good as the preseason ranking. Well, really? I mean, look, I understand you may have been thinking that in the preseason. Have been you, coaching harder. you did talk about the fact that there were a lot of expectations, but they hadn't accomplished anything to that point. The problem is is that the way that you talked about that team seemed like you still had some confidence in them. Maybe not for them to win 11 games and be competing with Clemson, but you you felt from listening to that, and maybe I'm wrong, but you heard some of them. You heard some of the quotes that came out. Did you not at least think from the way he talked about that team, they could win nine games.
1: I mean, come on, man. Well, and, and and this is this was probably the biggest frustration I had all year with Mac was that no matter the situation, whether it was the preseason hype or to when the team was losing and the media came after him, he always deflected, deflected, deflected. And you're the head coach. You are the voice of reason for the program, and at three and three, you blame the media for your team's struggling and then being overhyped and then you sell us on the fact that making a bowl game is now successful. Well don't forget the part where he also blamed the fan base
0: for not being satisfied a week later
1: for being four in the game three.
0: against Miami where, so where they struggled and almost lost.
1: You know, here's the thing. That could that could have worked. Had you taken the job just to get back in coaching and impact lives and all that coach speak crap. You you when you got hired, you flat out said, "I feel like we can win a national championship here and I want to finish what I started." Twenty years ago, okay, great. And then you made all of these promises on that you were going to do off the field. And I've praised him for doing all that. You've upped the facilities. You've made Keenan Stadium a much more fun place to go watch a football game. You're recruiting the best we've ever recruited as a football program. Right. But none of that shit matters, and you can bleep it out if you want. Yep. If you don't win football games. And that's what that's what you're getting paid to do. You're I I don't care what it takes. I don't care if we've got to have a crappy environment. I don't care if we recruit like crap. As long as we win, that's what I care about. Yeah, I don't care if there's
0: one person in the damn stands. I, I really don't. I wanna win because
1: it's getting old watching this team. Well, it, look, here's the thing. And I said this on air today. We're not a spoiled football program. We never have been, and we never will be. But we won 11 games in one year, and we made an ACC title game, and we were getting talked about as a potential threat to make the college football playoff if you won the ACC title game, right? That yeah. was with Larry freaking Fedora. Who, I, look, I mean, look, this I, I, is the I believe... I believe Mac Brown's a better coach than Larry Fedora, right? Yes. So why are we not having that same type of success on the field with better recruiting, better facilities, better coaching, better everything? Win! Well, here's the thing. I will give Larry Fedora his credit. First of all, he is
0: not as bad of a coach as people make him out to be. We've taken a lot of slights at him over the last couple of years, and most of them are in joking fashion, but in all seriousness... Larry Fedora did some good things here. He did. And here's the other thing that Larry Fedora did. He hired good staff members. The problem was there wasn't the buy-in that Mac Brown is getting now from the athletic department. Most of them ended up walking for bigger money. Yep. So you, there is credit that needs to be due. Larry Fedora is not the worst coach ever. He's not even close to being the worst coach in Carolina history. He's honestly... No, I wouldn't say in the conversation as one of the best because I think I, I did I did this. What was it? Was it last year? I can't even keep up with all the COVID stuff. It's just all over the place. Remember one one off season? I think it was two years ago. I did the tiers of position groups and coaches in Carolina history, and he's probably in the fourth or fifth tier, and that's fine. But. Yeah, it, it is. And, and look, here's the thing. We got to move off the big picture stuff for a minute. Because as we know, and we've been told by a man who's probably listening to this podcast, a recap or a post game is supposed to be about the game that was played. So we will circle back around because we do have a topic at the end of the show here, which is about... Potential coaching changes. So we will get back into this and probably get even more fired up about different coaches that we haven't even mentioned just yet. But let's look at the box score, as painful as this is going to be. Coming into this game, South Carolina was averaging 21.3 points per game. They had 38 in this game, including 25 at halftime. So they had outscored their season average at halftime. Coming into this game, they averaged 320.2 yards per game of total offense. That is poor, to say the least. They had 543 yards of total offense in this game. You could say whatever you want. Because they had to carry a joiner who hadn't been out there most of the year, the fact
1: that that dude tore you up this bad is a joke. His <laughs> rating finishes at a 286. At one point, his rating was 571.2.
0: That's a perfect quarterback rating. You want to know what the best part of that is? What was Zeb Nolan's rating at that same exact time? 571.2 as well.
1: <laughs>
0: you got torn up by a quarterback, converted to wide receiver, converted back to quarterback, <laughs> and a guy who sounds like a dude that was a general in the Revolutionary War. And, my God!
1: And did the job that you and I both moonlighted there. as a, a pizza, pizza delivery, delivery man. Driver. Oh, we my God! done that. Come on! I've done it for... Two different pizza companies. What in the hell, man?
0: Seriously. And you guys got torn up by that guy. Your host on your show, your radio show that you do in Charlotte, literally called him the slappiest of slappies (laughs) earlier today. And you got beat in
1: part by that guy. To be fair. Nick Wilson calls everybody the slappies of slappies at Come on, point. man. Is he
0: wrong, though, on this? <laughs>
1: uh, like, I'm serious. Zeb no. Nolan,
0: look, man, it's a great story. And, to, to, like, we're joking around about the fact that the dude was a pizza delivery man and everything like this. There, he was at North Dakota State. He had a career. But, come on, that's not a dude that should have torn you up the way that he did in this game. <sighs> and he did. Last one from, from just the overall statistics for them. They came in averaging 122.4 rushing yards per game. They ran for 301 in this game alone, including Kevin Harris, who entered the season with less than 500 yards rushing after an amazing season last year. He was banged up for a while. And may not have been healthy throughout most of the season. He ran for 182 yards by himself on this defense.
1: Not good, Bob.
0: Wow. And the best part is, this quote came out in the postgame. Mack Brown (laughs) said, we were preparing for the run game. Well, what run game was that? Because holy hell, if you were, you have some of the worst player personnel concerns in program history. Mm. If you were preparing for the run and that is what ended up happening. I mean, I don't even know at that rate.
1: Like, how, how do you even explain that? Very reminiscent of the Georgia Tech game where Carolina wasn't prepared. They looked flat. And there was really no response. And the biggest issue was you had three weeks. You should have watched every bit of film of every game South Carolina played this year, what Joyner has done for them when he was the quarterback, just to be prepared. I mean, I don't understand
0: how you didn't think that that was a possibility, especially because with the fact that you've
1: been the second he entered the game, you could tell on the TV screen we weren't ready for that. I knew we weren't. I knew
0: not even being there, mm. I knew this team's in trouble because I knew there is no way that they prepared for that. You, Like you said, you didn't prepare for a dude at Georgia Tech that was listed as a quarterback mm-hmm. supposedly. How were you expecting that? You could say whatever you want. We were prepared for the run game, whatever. Okay, that's fine. Maybe you were prepared for Kevin Harris, which you weren't, clearly. But then for you to – are you trying to sell to us? And and I don't know because I, I didn't see any clarification on this. I don't know if anybody asked. Are you trying to sell us on the fact that you were preparing for Joiner at quarterback? Because – Oh, man, please, God, tell me you did not. Because this is, if that is the truth, then there is almost no hope for you stopping running quarterbacks going forward. If you are preparing for that, and that is what's happening to you. So looking at Carolina's stats, 333 total uh, yards of total offense, 129 yards, uh, 28 yards rushing on the ground, not great in that respect, only 4.4 4 yards per carry. Passing yards, 205 passing yards in this game. You go and look at the box score for Carolina. Sam Howell, uh, 12 of 20, excuse me, for 205 yards and a touchdown. Uh, British Brooks leading rusher, five carries, 72 yards, most of that coming on that 63-yard touchdown run. Ty Chandler nine carries twenty nine yards. He had that that one big run, the eleven yard run to begin the game, and then outside of that, it yeah. was as quiet as it gets. Receiving wise, Antoine Green good first half, four catches seventy three yards. Problem is, was never targeted the rest of the way. Now, granted, a lot of the other guys couldn't really be targeted either. Josh Downs three catches seventy or three catches sixty two yards on seven targets, did reach the 100 receptions mark, one of only five receivers in ACC history to do that, but a relatively quiet finish to his season for a guy that was getting eight catches a game in his sleep. Yep. Bryce and Nesbitt, two catches, 29 yards. They both came on the same drive, though. Like, How did we not see more of him? We can bring him up again when we talk about dudes that didn't see enough snaps in this game. And then you had Garrett Walston, the one catch, 37 yards. That was a touchdown that cut the lead to 32-21. to 21. On defense, leading tackler, is this a shock? Cedric Gray, 13 total tackles, four of them solos, one sack, two tackles for loss. Easily the best player defensively from a team that just did not perform well at all. Power Eccles did get a lot of run, though, in this game. He had 10 tackles, eight of them solo. And one tackle for loss. I, I, I'm I'm uh I'm done looking at the box score. I will say this though. I know this is a podcast. Saw the video afterwards. Congratulations to the carrion It's not our it's 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 not our fault the dude went off. Like you shouldn't be mad at him that he had a great game. Carolina's defense couldn't stop him. He played well. The, great great job by him coming in in a spot that he probably wasn't expecting and playing that well. But for Carolina, I mean, what? There's, there's not many real positives that you can take out of this. Defense, I mean, we got to dive into this more. This group sucks. Just, I mean, the only word that I could think to describe it, they got boat raced. I, I mean, I, I, I knew coming in. There was a chance that this defense would struggle still with South Carolina. I never in my wildest dreams imagined that it would be this bad.
1: Yeah, no, I didn't think. Nothing of South Carolina's game plan surprised me. I thought they were going to try to run the ball, take the easy throws that were going to be there, grind the game out. That's why I had the game low score. Remember I picked Carolina to win twenty four to twenty. But I, I thought, I was like, okay, well if I know that and well South Carolina's kind of made that public about this. this is who we are. We got to grind it out. Well then don't your defensive coordinator know that? Don't your this don't don't your doesn't your defensive staff know that? Doesn't it, don't your players know that? And it was the same issues that we've had year after a year after a year, they couldn't get off blocks. They couldn't tackle in the open field. And then in, in pass coverage, they couldn't make plays on the ball. And South Carolina literally did whatever they wanted, whenever they wanted, however they wanted to do it. They They, they, they could have scored more, in all honesty. But they knew at halftime, twelve point lead. This the the game's in control, and then you go into halftime. You have fifteen to twenty minutes to make adjustments, and they walk right down the field yet again. But to me, it, it all came back to. You know, hey, you, they made adjustments. They didn't allow a sixty yard touchdown.
0: I get. I mean, it, it, you know, you is think, that what we got to think of at this point? You know, you brought up the
1: execution. And look, that's part of it. They did not execute the game plan. But they didn't try to execute the game plan. There was no the 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 lack of effort that was visible. That was the most because at least on the road and in, in in the games that you lost this year to finish the season at Notre Dame, at Pittsburgh, at NC State, you battled. And you could look, you know, in a lot of ways you cost yourself all three of those games, but Nonetheless, you still fought till the whistle.
0: You made stops defensively in the second half yeah, to you, give you a chance to win those you, games. You
1: you gave yourself a chance. This defense never gave Carolina cuz when you got the score to 32 to 21, you're thinking, "Okay, well you get just one stop. We're not asking for two well, stops." Well, you did.
0: You got one. But that was
1: it. You know, that now that was that was the thing and it was Sam Howell had no reason to play in this bowl game. Yep. None. But he's that, he's that type of guy that he was like, I want to put my future in the NFL on the line. I, I, I might cost myself millions of dollars. Yeah, playing behind this offensive line? To, you're damn right. To play in a bowl game that doesn't mean anything. No one's going to remember who won the Dukes-Mayo Bowl. Fifteen years from now,
0: yeah, they may because of the Mayo dump. No. But you don't even get you. And, you, you and don't you even get that, even that as the player. Be inspired
1: to play for him, like yeah, you, yeah. If you don't want to play for the coaching staff, fine. You don't want to play for, uh, your parents. You don't want to play for damn pride of not getting beat.
0: That's like, fine. But you play you for w- him.
1: You don't want to play for Sam Howell. By goma to you, dude.
0: Honestly, honestly. I would have played for that man. I would have suited my fat ass up and got out there and played harder than some of these dudes that played. I mean, maybe I'm going too far there. And here's the thing. I know that most of these guys went out there with the mindset of, we want to try to win. But, I I mean, how it just looked at times... Like they didn't want to be there. And yet you had a dude, like you said, that could end up being. I know it's crazy. This dude could end up being the first quarterback off the board of the draft. You just don't know because this quarterback draft is that
1: its its that mediocre. Well, and then on the flip side, maybe even if you you played your best, you maybe give him some reason to think. I want to run it back. Yeah. There's, there's no reason he should look at that team, this program, this coaching staff, and endure another year. Yeah. I'm gonna be brutally honest. You gotta honest. think, man. It's gonna be hard. If if he wants to play college football again, that's fine. Transfer. No. Oh. Because you deserve a lot better than that. Yeah. I-
0: it's it's hard to argue cuz i mean you you definitely you don't want to see if he comes back you will want to see him finish his career here especially because even even what that team was a year ago he he was a big part of the reason he built where this where this program was at even heading into the year mm-hmm. the only reason why you had expectations was pretty much due to him If he doesn't commit to care, if he doesn't flip from from Florida State, you are probably, I mean, last year, you probably win what? Five games? First year, you probably would have been two or three win team. Last year, you may have won five games. This year, you might have gotten to a bowl game. You could be in the same spot that you're in right now, but feeling a whole lot differently. You would literally be in the spot of well, Mac Brown's just making the job more attractive. When you know, whenever he's ready to move on, he's moving on. And honestly, you would be looking and saying, is that next head coaching candidate already out there? And is it time to tell Mac, hey, thank you? We're moving on to our next guy. All this recruiting success that you've had as well, that doesn't happen without Sam Howell. And you let this man down. I don't give a damn. About what anybody else's feelings are about this You let this dude down This man laid it all on the line For three straight seasons And you walked away with a 21-17 and record with him as your quarterback
1: Yep, and you didn't uh, Come on In the grand scheme of things You didn't accomplish anything No, not really
0: for for him, hey, look, for him, he accomplished a lot. But yep. here's the problem with Sam Howe.
1: He's not an individual. I've, seen, guy.
0: I've that I've followed him since he was a freshman. That is not Sam Howe. He's not gonna be a dude that when he looks back on his career, is gonna remember the fact that he threw for a touchdown in every single game that he played in, which is an unbelievable feat, by the way. That is that is nuts. And he's not going to remember the fact that he's your all-time leading passer. He's not going to remember that he was up there for the first two years of his career and probably ranks in in the same area heading out as Trevor Lawrence and Jameis Winston, some of the best to ever play in the ACC in terms of passing statistics. He's going to remember 21-17. and He's going to remember the fact that He had a win in his hands against NC State, and it got taken away by the defense and the special teams. And he's going to remember the fact that he got beat by Colonel Noland, of all people, in a damn bowl game that he could have set out. That is what is going to stick in his mind. And I'm going to be honest with you. Because I don't know how many other people are going to do this. There will be players in that locker room that will do this. I'll do it for the rest of the guys that maybe won't say it. Sam, we're sorry. Because damn it, you deserved a hell of a lot better than this. Yep. And, you know, look. we we'll are stick on the defensive side. I tweeted this during the game. I know there are some big areas of weakness on this defense. That defensive line concerns me right Mm -hmm. now. The only thing that gives me some hope, still a relatively young unit. Linebacker, you can take it or leave it. That's probably the best unit on this defense, which is saying a lot. That secondary has me pooping my drawers. Mainly that safety spot. And at this point, I know the offensive line is the position that most people are going to be concerned about. Is there a legitimate conversation that needs to be had that safety might be right in that same neighborhood? Because this group of safeties that we saw at the end of the season, is just, there is so many things that they could have done so much better. And it's, granted, it's a lack of execution. I know that. It's the same mistakes every week. And who coaches the safeties? I hate, it's Jay Bateman. There, I I know there's some guys in that room that have upside. You need to start playing those dudes because the two dudes that were out there today Look, they play hard, but they are just—they are not what you need back there right now. You need consistency, and these guys are not it. Well, they're consistently bad. That I would—they're consistently frustrating because Cameron Kelly had four interceptions this year. But then there's other times he didn't play as bad today as he played against NC State. That's almost impossible. He had—he—he mm-hmm. he was targeted five times against NC State. All of them were catches, and four of them were touchdowns.
1: <laughs>
0: you don't get worse than that. And at some point, you've talked about this, and we'll talk about it later. You have to make tough decisions on coaches. While well, I'm sorry, you've got to make the same tough decisions on players. It's time. Not, I'm not saying you don't play them ever. But you've got to start making decisions about guys on your depth chart that are not living up to... What the standard that they need to.
1: Yeah, because there's no way if you review the film and you grade the film, these guys are grading out good enough to where those conversations are not being had. Look, these kids want to get their panties in a wad and transfer? Go. Because those aren't the type of guys you should be hitching your wagon to and saying, I'm going to ride and die with that guy. You have that guy. That guy's your quarterback. That's the guy you should be saying, no matter what, through the highs and the lows, I'm going to ride with that guy. There's no one on this defense right now that you should be willing to say, I'm going to ride or die with that person. That person doesn't exist. There's no one on your defensive coaching staff that you should be hitching your wagon to and saying, I'm going to ride or die with that guy. Well, here's
0: the closest guy that I saw at any point this season was Jaquarius Conley. But here's my problem. Conley had a huge impact. Do not get me wrong on that at all. the The fact that he went down with an injury should not have gotten you to the point that you were at today. Or even against NC State. Somebody told me if Conley was on the field against NC State,
1: that doesn't happen. Well, here's the problem. You can't build your defense around one guy.
0: And Cam Kelly would have still been on the field. Somebody told me, well, he would have been off the field. No, he wouldn't have. Geo, Geo Biggers would have been the guy off the field. Because Conley played more of the boundary safety, as they call it, or strong safety. So, I get it. That that was a big loss. And that's the one guy that I look at on this defense and say, yeah, that's pro- that, that looks like your leader. Jeremiah Gimmel should have been that guy, but I, I don't know why it didn't resonate. Because I don't think it's his fault that it didn't resonate. That is one of the most vocal dudes that I've seen at the linebacker position in a long, long time. He, especially at Carolina, he is always talking. Today, he was out of the game. We saw him, what was it, in the third quarter? He was out of the game, and he was basically coaching the team on the sideline. Yep. And, but for some reason, it just didn't connect with this group of guys, and I'm not getting it. And the problem is now, now you're losing that guy that you should have been Connecting with, and that was a good leader. Mac Brown said, and and I believe Mac Brown when he says this. That was one of the best leaders that he has ever seen in terms of just knowledge of the game, vocalizing it, trying to direct people where to go. And just like Sam Howe, you kind of you you wasted that. Now you've got to find who that other guy is, and, and it's gonna be tough. Maybe Cedric Gray can step up and be that guy for you. But I just, I, I don't, I don't understand. And I'm at the point with the safeties now. We, we were doing it when, when we were going through a couple of weeks ago, or not maybe like a week ago, when we were doing the need one, got one. You desperately need safety help. Yep. Maybe you've got some guys back there that can help you out going forward. But my thing is, you didn't see any of those guys today in a game where it wouldn't have really mattered who you put out there. Because the guys that were out there were not executing the way that they needed to. So why did you not put those guys out there? I mean, you just... It, is the feeling that these guys are, are, are have much of a drop-off? Because if so... My concern level gets even worse. Yeah. I mean, I'll go into a full panic attack. So here's the other thing. There were guys that we probably should have seen more of in this game mm-hmm. and we didn't. Yeah. Why did you
1: not see British Brooks more in this football game? You know, here is my thing. You wanna you wanna lose? Okay. I would have been more content with losing had you played all the guys that you know need to step up next year. And okay, let them learn, and it's, you and you you treat it like you know it's still a game for them. It's not gonna, they're not gonna not lose their red shirt, whatever. And that didn't happen. You didn't play the future of your program on both sides of the ball extensively enough to where you should have and and that's on both sides of the ball and that's that's what's the most frustrating thing was the the one positive I said about making the bowl game was that you got those extra 12 to 15 practices right and you could tr- and you could treat this as as a moment to learn what you got to help you identify what you need to get in the portal what you need to keep on recruiting and and have a good starting point at where you are when you pick up winter conditioning in a couple of weeks. Well, I found out the answer, in some respects, defense. Yeah,
0: not a position, defense. Recruit a defense and find a transfer. Tra- find people in the transfer portal that can help your
1: defense. You know, in regards to Brooks. Okay, you know that guy's coming back. That guy, that guy may legitimately be your number one back next year. Yeah, and I mean, look. The thing but is, but you don't know like, that because you didn't you didn't run him, and, and look. I know you got behind and all that, but you never he he, you he ran Ty
0: Chandler twice on the drive where you were down thirty five to twenty one. Exactly.
1: Like, Come on, like those those are the, the 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 decisions as a CEO type of coach, where Mac Brown says, "No, we're playing this guy, we're playing this guy, we're doing this and that," because now it's not about winning the game. We're we're already behind for 2022. We got to try to get back ahead for 2022. You that's what the bowl game gives you a chance to do, right? Look, once Sam Howell opted in, you
0: knew you weren't going to see the other quarterbacks. That right, we had come to terms with. But in this game, there in the backfield, and this is one of the first times this year that I've criticized Larry Porter, and. I think that somebody asked me earlier today what position coaches have actually lived up to expectations this year. I think Larry Porter did that. In this game, though, you ran British Brooks five times. Remember, one of those carries was a 63-yard touchdown. And that was, I believe his last carry or his second-to-last carry of the entire football game. My other issue is, as far as, as far as I know, DJ Jones, Caleb Hood, and the rest of your guys in the backfield were healthy for this game.
1: They were dressed out.
0: The only two running backs to take a carry in this game were Ty Chandler and British Brooks? Mm. Why did we not see these other guys? Because that's a position where we think, okay, you've got some dudes coming back, and here's the thing: you gotta you gotta credit British Brooks. This this finish to the season, like this guy went from being a a special teams captain that that did a lot in that area. That's mm. a, that that's an area that doesn't get enough recognition, but he went from that guy. To a guy that came into the game against Wofford, put up career a, a career day. That's fine. No one expected to see him in the game against NC State, but they threw him out there because they said, "Well, look, we've got the the rest of our running back room is pretty banged up, and we need someone to try to step up." And what did he do? He ran for over 100 yards in that game he was outstanding he was the he, we he was our player of the game and probably a lot of people's player of the game for that game offensively so there is legitimacy to playing him and like you said he came back he said I want to be able to come back and finish this a, a season better than what we did here that's now magnified after this one so why did you not play him more? Why did you not play the young guys more? Because now we have no idea what the running back position looks like next year. We got to hope that George Petaway, as an early enrollee, is kind of the real deal. And that British Brooks can continue to get better. Because if not, we're going to have to use those first few games of the season to once again try to figure this out. And on the defensive side of the ball... I mean, come on. Were these guys really playing that well that you couldn't take some of these guys off the field? I hope not. Like, I mean, my thing. Why did we not see Ra Ra Dilworth in this game at linebacker a little bit? Look, Power Eccles was in there a lot. That's great. I thought there were moments where Power Eccles looked good. I thought there were moments where Power Eccles looked out of position and had some some freshman mistakes. That's expected. Get Ra Dilworth out there to make some of those mistakes as well. Get some of those guys in your secondary out there and see what they've got because you gave up 543 yards in this game. Clearly, these veterans, these starters, they're not cutting it right now. Nope. So why not get a look at some of these younger guys? Last thing we'll do here in this, and, and this is reflective of the game and now goes into the long term. We push this a lot. I know people say it's lazy to say that coaches need to be fired. But at this point, I think without a doubt, Jay Bateman continues to show that this just ain't working. It's not. And you need to make a move now before it is too late.
1: Yeah, because, look. You can get all the talent in the world you want on that side of the ball. Some people think there's a lot of talent on on that side of the ball already. Well, he can't coach it. He can't put those guys in the right position to make plays. And as we've seen for his first three years, his defense is built around one guy. first two years, it had been Surratt. That guy moves on. He rebuilds the defense this year around Conley. That guy gets hurt. This thing goes to shambles. Well, I think he was supposed to. I, did he rebuild it around Conley, or did he rebuild it around Gimmel? I, I don't know. Like
0: we didn't. We don't even know that.
1: You know. And look, my biggest worry when we hired him was his style of coaching worked at the Group of Five level with the Army because you had a ball possession offense that you put your defense on the field for twenty to twenty five minutes and even though you didn't have the light, you didn't have the same depth you have here you were still consistently a more fresh team than you are especially the way carolina wants to play can
0: i throw one thing in here about this your defense got worse this year with a less explosive offense well, you, you, last year you had one of the most explosive offenses in the history of the game which meant your defense was on the field more and your defense wasn't this bad
1: how how is that possible? And that's, your defense has gotten consistently, it's gotten worse all three years. It hasn't improved statistically. No. From year to year. it's It has slowly gotten worse. And then when it blows up, it blows up big. Um, but look, it doesn't stop. He's not the only one. No, no uh, he's it, not the only one that, des- that deserves criticism. At, at this sure. point, the entire defensive staff should be terminated. All of them. Dre as a recruiter. That's what he is. He's not. He's not a college level position coach. See, this is what. And somebody
0: brought this up on Twitter. I don't remember who brought this up, but I thought it was a great point. I could get behind bringing him back. You need a guy to come in, regardless, regardless of if you keep Bateman. You need somebody that comes in and is your secondary's coach. He can coach your corners. That's fine. You need somebody that is over him, that is helping him to coach. He's a first time head coach. You need someone that can teach him. And and that's part of it. Like I understand why you made the hire because he's one of your guys.
1: Yeah, because he can recruit. He can recruit. I, but it, it he's, doesn't man, it doesn't matter if you can get the talent in the door or if you can't coach the talent. He, but see, that's what I'm saying
0: I th- th- he, This was the first time he's coached at the college level And to, and he hadn't even coached I forget the last time he even coached at the high school level And for three
1: years he's so proven he's not a college level position to, coach To
0: have a guy That could come in And sort of oversee him And maybe even teach him a little bit about coaching I think would help him out
1: Isn't that what Mac Brown's supposed to be doing? He's a CEO type of coach he oversees the entire operation.
0: Well, it's now it's clearly not working. But you can hire a secondaries coach. So keeping him, I could be behind. I'm not there with Tommy Thigpen either. Oh, I
1: am. Yep. I'm there.
0: I mean, I think the linebackers have been solid. One of the things I, I, I remember talking to Michael Felder of Stadium, he said, look, when I watch the linebackers, I see dudes that have... Way too much on their plate I because they don't have a a good line up front, and they're weak in the secondary.
1: You're at a point though where your program's at a crossroads. Like when when Mac Brown took the job, you had to keep certain guys for stability purposes. Okay, well now it's three years later. Now's the time where if you're not if you're not sold on Tommy Thickpin you kept him because you needed him at that time. Well now this season gives you the the reason to say, look, it's not working. Thank you for what you've done. Because you, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to bring in if you're bringing a new coordinator, he's gonna want to bring in his type of coaches anyway. You can't sell them on I'm trying a new coordinator because you're not promoting from within. That guy's gonna want to bring in his type of coaches that know his scheme and everything like that. So you might as well if you get rid of Bateman, clean house. There's still a role for Dre Bly within the program. I'm not saying get rid of Dre Bly completely. As a position coach, no. I think in Thigpen was a lot. Like uh like Galloway was at the time, was a holdover position. You had to keep that guy, or maybe it was the running back coach. You had to keep Gillespie. Gillespie, the, Gillespie was had, the holdover. You had to keep that guy for stability purposes. That made sense. Revamp the whole entire thing because it's not working. And it's not like these guys are getting through their messages isn't being received. You need new leadership in that defensive in, in in those defensive meeting rooms.
0: I think that's, Thigpen's probably the only one that I would, I would defend pretty valiantly. I think the rest of them, you can have that conversation. And, and look, it, you're, it's, a, it's an interesting point, especially if you bring in a guy like Will Muschamp, for example, which at this point looks bleak because he's probably going to be the defensive coordinator at Georgia. But let's say you bring him in and he says, look, I want a whole new staff. You're not going to tell that guy, no, we can't do that. Nope. So
1: you shouldn't tell that guy. It may now.
0: it it makes sense. It's just there there is a lot, and I think the the thing that concerns most people, and I think it's a va- it is a little bit of a valid concern, because I think you could see mass transfers, and I'm talking about you could have units that are completely decimated with dudes. Heading for the transfer portal. If you get rid of every every one of the position coaches, that's the one thing that concerns me, because I think that there are guys here that are t- there are guys that are talented. Well, they're not being developed right now, but there is talent
1: here. Players aren't dumb anymore, though. They're not. They were never dumb, but they know when they commit that, especially in a situation like this. Those guys could know, look, one bad year, this guy's going to get fired. Here's the other thing. So you you, you can't look at it that way because you don't want to run the risk of getting all this talent into the building right? and doing what you've been doing for the last four or five years going back to when Larry was here, which was not developing, not getting the most out of the talent. Because this year, now the recruiting ranking will suffice. You've got talent. You've got you've gotten deeper. The last
0: two years suffice it. So um, you, I, I mean So
1: you you know now So then what? What you can't just keep on making excuses. Yep. If they transfer, they transfer. You should be able to say, look, we recruited at a high level when we got here when this place wasn't popular. I can do it again. That I signing day I got. You wanted to get them through the door. But after this performance. You cannot you cannot justify because you, you, you what are you selling to recruits to come play for you now? Yeah, I Depends mean lovely you
0: have nothing to sell. Look social, social media and, and, and it's it's hard to react off of that, but when your fan base is that adamant about letting a guy go, especially at this level, the NFL level is 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 a different is a different story because you're, you you money can talk. But at this level, when recruits are seeing that, it definitely has an effect. And sorry, I, to, to cut you off, the point I was going to try to make was: Are we? What is the mindset of some of these guys on this team right now? Because we we've talked about that on our on our radio shows that we're on over the last couple of weeks here. What is the mindset of the Carolina Panthers when it comes to their head coach, Matt Rule? Well, I have the same questions about this Tar Heel defense. What do some of those guys in the locker room think about Jay Bateman and his approach? Are they looking at this and saying, we're heading in the right direction? I hope not. You got to imagine that there are some guys in that locker room that are looking at that and saying, this ain't working. Like you, you, I, you can know. look at
1: the the team today, and that team might have quit on their coaching. And you 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 can't. I mean, you can blame them, but you can't blame them. Yeah, because they're not being put in position. I I
0: hate to say that because I don't I, I don't want to say that about these guys on the field because we don't know we don't know the mindset Here, of these years. The we haven't m- talked to these guys. Here's but the most still,
1: damning thing. Larry Fedora had no no issue moving on from Vic Coning. No issue. He didn't even. Once re- it became apparent, he couldn't win with him as a defensive coordinator. Right. Even even Gene Chiswick.
0: I know Gene Chiswick retired again. I think part of that was that Gene Chiswick in that first year created a lot of turnovers. In that second year, they had one interception the whole season and you saw a lot of flaws. I'm not saying that he specifically came out to him and said, Look, either retire or I'm firing you. I think there was some mutual parting of ways there, but it seemed like Larry was probably saying to himself, Yeah, something's not working here yep. and I, I you got to give him credit on that now some would say maybe he was too quick to move on from guys but i I, I mean in terms of the defensive coordinator i don't I don't think so but now yeah you you know, and and this is the thing. There were some good moments with Jay Bateman. Let's not act like everything that Jay Bateman did here was bad. Let's not act like the dude hasn't recruited well because he's a big part of why you're recruiting these guys defensively. Clearly, he's the defensive coordinator. He's got to be involved in these recruitments. But in terms of on-field execution, like today, one of the reasons I said, Like A couple of weeks ago, when the signing class came in, you might be concerned about moving on from him. It might be a bad look. When you bring in this recruiting class and then you end up firing your coach, it just looks like you were trying to bring them in and hold on to them. In this case, look, if if you held South Carolina to around their average defensively, or maybe even a little bit more, even if you held them to your averages defensively, you could maybe make the case that they don't need to move on from him, and moving on from him would probably ju- be a move that would be viewed as you just waited so you could hold on to the kids. Mm-hmm. You can justify this move now. Am I wrong on that?
1: No, you're not wrong.
0: So I'm done. I'm 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 done. Uh, I may, I I may be done yelling. I'm done yelling. We'll hand out our player of the game. I'm going to get. It's Sam Howell. 12 of 20, 205 yards, a touchdown, and damn it, once again, you deserved a hell of a lot more from your teammates than you got, especially this season. Yep. Sorry, Sam. I hate it, buddy, because my God. You gave us some of the funnest moments in program history during your time here. In my mind, you are the greatest quarterback to play at Carolina. Yet, you walk away with a 21-17 and record. And all we can say at this point is I'm sorry. Last thing we'll talk about here real quick and then we'll get out of here. There was a report released earlier. Tar Heel Illustrated actually posted this before the game. This was a release, I guess, that was sent to media members that are on the beat for the Tar Heels. Said Tamari Fox, unable to participate in bowl week or the bowl game, so apparently did not practice here in Charlotte with the team. Uh, and that was due to use of an unapproved substance. So this was apparently a pre-workout. It was a substance that I guess he believed was approved, but was not. Mm. And now he will have to appeal that what is basically a season-long suspension. I believe that process is underway. And if he ends up winning the appeal, he will be eligible for next year. He will only have missed this game. If he ends up not winning that appeal... He is, and by the way, the NCAA, as they always do, with one of the most interesting rulings I think I've ever heard in my entire life, he will not be able to play all of next regular season. But in the postseason, if the Tar make the ACC championship game, if the Tar make a bowl game, he would then be eligible to play. Doesn't really make a whole lot of sense on that. But we did want to update you that there is a chance that Tamari Fox would not be able to play in twenty twenty two The good news for the Tos is that that's the one position where depth wise you're pretty low I mean your defensive line you got a lot of guys and
1: he's not very good
0: I mean that's a it's a bit harsh, but he did not is is he had a significant drop off in production for sure. From last year to this year, he lost his starting job, so he's a depth guy. Maybe he could have regained that this, you know, this upcoming off season. But now this is something that Carolina is dealing with on that front. Mm-hmm. So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast, guys. Make sure you head over to the website. We're gonna have a recap of this game. We'll tell you our biggest takeaways. We'll also tell you. Uh, we'll we'll do the stock report. Tell you who's trending up, who's trending down. Um, that'll be particularly interesting in terms of, you know, some of the younger guys on the roster, as well as Sam Howell. I think, uh, you know, with him, it, it'll be more about his draft stock after this game, where we think that is. And then we will also have the final grades. Will come out sometime later on this week, maybe next weekend at the latest. Uh, right now, you know, on the uh, on the job at the radio station currently, uh just crazy. We got a whole bunch of different things going on um that you know is 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 sort of constraining us on time. So I am gonna try to get those up as quickly as possible. They should be up sometime during this next week, but if not, it will be uh, that next weekend. Just wanted to alert you guys to that on the podcast side of things. We've got the recap done now. It's going to be time to take a look back at the season. That's going to be a lot of fun. And we will hand out awards. That's ultimately at the end of the season. We do that every year. There are some guys that still performed well enough to receive awards on this team. So we will hand those out. And that's how we'll close out. The regular season this year After that we'll move into offseason mode And look Carolina does have some transfers That they have brought in Corey Gaynor on the offensive line He's probably going to be at center for Carolina next year Edge rusher Noah Taylor came in And we've got articles on the website For both of those guys as well Uh, But we'll be covering you on the transfer portal side of things On both the website and on the podcast Recruiting side of things as well Will be on there So make sure you guys are keeping up with that Uh, Basketball side of things on the website, Josh has you covered throughout the season, previews, recaps, all that great stuff. And then you also on the podcast side of things, uh, we've had you covered with previews, recaps. We've been you know, talking you through some of these cancellations, some of these games getting moved. Um, we, we've also been doing uh, monthly lookbacks at the team, kind of grading out where the team is month in and month out. Um, so we got a lot of stuff going on on that front as well. Best place to check all of it out is the website. We've got, you know, the homepage, which has all the articles for you guys. Uh, There's also an all news tab where you can go and check that out. And then, of course, you can also check out um, all, all of the podcast stuff up there as well. There are tabs at the top of the page for you guys to check those out for the podcast. We do also recommend, though, if you are wanting to subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss an episode, we highly recommend that. For either the Heel Tough blog podcast or the Four Corners podcast, go to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, TuneIn, any of those sites, and check it out. You can also subscribe there, and we really would appreciate that. And then uh, make sure you check out the Facebook page. That's where we got all the content in one spot. So we've got those articles, we've got those audio editions of the podcast, and we also have the waveform edition of the pod, uh, editions of the podcast. And eventually, when we do return to video, right now we're kind of handicapped with you know everything that's going on with COVID. So we're having to do all of these, uh, you know, by in in you know a studio where we only have audio capabilities for right now. Um, we really wish that we could be on video with you guys, but you know this is we're we're, we're going through another tough time here. And look, we're going to get through it together. But it's it's just you know the world we're living in right now we're adjusting on the fly and we appreciate that you guys have been so flexible with us uh, on that front so we'll be doing a lot almost all of these uh, audio wise for now uh, and then eventually hopefully at the start of next season uh, we will be able to get back on camera to be able to do all that it'll probably start with uh you know when we're officially previewing the season maybe when they have re- released the schedule we might try to do one on camera there to break down uh the Toriel football schedule so keep an eye on that heel tough blog on Facebook also check out the other social media pages at heel tough blog on Twitter at HTB Anthony for my personal page at HTB Josh for his personal page and at hack 2. For our recruiting and transfer portal guy, Zach Hubbard. So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. Want to thank you guys for listening. Want to thank Josh for hosting with me. And as always, go Target.